But guys, I want you to understand, growing up in church, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, we're going to get a little depressing before we get to the good stuff. Growing up in church, I, I went to a lot of funerals. I've never been, I, as, as a 10-year-old boy, I've probably done been to 50 funerals. When you're a church member, you know a lot of folks, you want to be there for folks, and my mom and dad would always make me go. And I would go, and I would be right there with them. As they went past the casket, I went past the casket. As they talked to the family, I was there too. And guys, during that time, I seen a lot of things, and I noticed a lot of things. And even now as a pastor, when you preach a funeral, you notice something. You would see the families, you would see the preachers, you would see the casket. And nobody ever wants to think about it. Many worry about it. Many aren't prepared for it, but it is a strong dose of reality that one day, unless Jesus returns in glory, that's where we're all going to be. And I don't like to think about it at 37 years old, but when I start to feel my aching knees, I know that I'm getting older. I know that I'm not quite as young as I once was, and I know what is on the horizon in my life. And there's a lot of folks that live in absolute fear of that day. But I'm going to tell you, my friend, there was something that happened to me when I was 15 years old that makes me not be so scared. Amen. There's something that happened to me when Jesus called me by name and he said, son, not only will I be with you in this life, I'm going to be there holding your hand into the next one. And I am excited today that I don't have to live in fear, that I can still look to a Savior who knows all of my days and that he is already in tomorrow. Amen. But guys, as we see these people, I've noticed, first of all, in Hebrews 9, 27, it says, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. But as a pastor, I see the difference in those that are saved and lost when I go to a funeral. It's one of the saddest things that you're ever going to see. When you see a family where the man or woman is saved, the difference that you see. You see a family that is hopeful, you see a family that, yes, they are sad, but they have a little bit of a joy in their heart knowing that their loved one is just gone for a little while. But then you see other folks so many times that you know that their life had nothing to do with Jesus. They never came to church. They never had any fruits in their life. But yet in that moment, their family still has a hope in their heart that their family member is in heaven. My friend, if you don't know Jesus, you're not going to be in heaven. And in that moment, we hope and pray that our loved ones will be there. But my friend, it's too late. There's a reason why the Bible says today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. We are not guaranteed another moment. We are not guaranteed another second. The moment that Jesus is calling you by name is the moment that's the time where you come by faith, trusting only him to save you. But as a pastor, you see the difference in those that are saved and that are not. Guys, I want to understand, I was thinking about a gentleman when I was at Raymond at my first pastorate. I went to his hospital bed. His family had left. Uh, they were gone. They weren't there. And I creeped open the door. And I walked in as a young pastor, never been at somebody's deathbed very much. And that's a nerve-wracking thing. You don't know what you're going to say to a person that is dying. 
And I walk in and it's just me. And I see him laying there, frail, dying, sick. And I said, Mr. Larry, this is Brother Brandon. I just want to ask you, are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus? And Larry said this, I'm ready. Why are you ready? How do you know you're ready, Mr. Larry? Because years ago, I was made alive. Brandon, I was dead when I was born. But there was a day when I was 10 years old that God made me alive. And I've been dead before, and this ain't it. I'm just going home in a little while. And guys, I preached that funeral like it was a Pentecostal funeral. I'm telling you what, I was excited to preach that funeral. But the world is full of spiritual death. And we don't want to think about it, we don't want to talk about it, but the world is full of the spiritual dead. We walk around like we are fine, but on the inside we are not. Guys, what I want us to understand today is if you are saved We must be thankful to be saved. Don't ever get over your salvation. I think too many people have gotten over their salvation. They forget that moment that they received Jesus as their Savior. They forgot the toil that went through their heart and their mind when they received Jesus. They forget that moment in that little church or on that whatever they were. They could have been at work. They could have been at home. They forget that moment where God was convicting them and the condemnation that came over their heart. And they forget the moment that they surrendered to Jesus and he took it all away. And as life goes, we get so hard-hearted and we forget where God has taken us from. My friend, if you want to go forward, just think back to where God has taken you. The world is so full of spiritual dead. And guys, I want you to understand, if you're lost today, you must understand your condition, condition of not knowing Jesus. I know that condition because I was one of them. Who else in here can be a witness to somebody today that I was once spiritually dead? Do you remember the time where you never thought about Jesus? Do you remember the time where he was so distant? Do you remember the time where he was just somebody that you learned about? Or maybe you were in Sunday school and you heard the teacher tell you about it. But do you remember the time when he became personal in your life? There ain't no nothing like it. But guys, I want to talk to you today about a simple message, and that is life without Christ, life with that Jesus Christ gives, and life after Christ. Amen. And we're going to look in Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1. And we're we're going to go to the first three verses first. And it says, And you hath he quickened, which means to make alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the worship this morning. 
And Lord, I pray, God, that you do something only you can do. I still believe that you can reach hearts. In a world that has seemed so hard-hearted, I believe that you still have the power to reach through the hardest of hearts. And Lord, I pray, God, that today, if there's somebody in this place that is dead spiritually, that they are made alive. But I also pray, God, if there's a Christian here today that is on life support, they can go back to the day that they received you as Savior and they can be revived again. Lord, I'm thankful today that you saved me and I'll never forget it all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. But the world, again, is full of spiritual death. Guys, I want us to understand, firstly, that life without Christ and what it is. The Bible says in verse 1, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 1 means you were dead. That's hard to hear, isn't it? So we always think that we're alive. We're born into life. We're born and the, the, the breath comes into our hearts. The moment that we are conceived, we have life and then we die. But the difference is this, is that, no, God's saying you were born dead spiritually, but you can be made alive. Amen? That's where we get the term, you can be born again, right? Because you were born dead with a spiritual, with a, with a sin nature that we all have. But this death means separation. It means separated from the purpose or use which was intended. We were created for one reason, and that is to know, to fellowship, to worship, and to serve God and nothing else. So don't you believe that if we were created to serve God, the number one effort of Satan would be for you to serve everything else? That's where he attacks. Guys, I love Tennessee football as much as anybody. I do. But just last night, you realized, man, this stuff, it it ain't worth it. Sometimes we get so worked up over this stuff. We get so tore up over this stuff. There's some of you that came into God's house today still upset about that. My friend, football don't matter. It don't. I love it. It's something to enjoy, but it don't matter. And But that is just a small example of what we make that matters so much. We give so much effort to everything else, but it is all temporary, including Tennessee's run. <laughs> I'm afraid it's temporary. (laughs) But guys, we must understand that we cannot give our life to temporary things. This is a separation from the purpose in which we were intended. But the natural man does not do it. Much like physical death, our hearts are stopped, our breath is ceasing, our personality is gone. Our spiritual life shows no life. And that's what I want to ask you today. Do you have spiritual life? You say, what does that mean? That means that your voice should be proclaiming some things of God. That means that you should have a heart that longs for the things of the Lord. That means that every once in a while, I believe often, we should have a heart that longs to pray to our Savior, which has our answers. Amen? But so many times we still live a life that looks spiritually dead never even thinking of God. That's where I was before I knew Christ, not after. Before I knew Jesus, I'd went to church every single day of my life. I had heard the Sunday school teachers. I had heard the preaching. I had been part of all of it. But it wasn't until that day God called me by name that I understood it. 
And after I understood my sin and my separation, I've never forgotten it. God called me. He changed me. He changed my heart. He changed my mind. He changed my soul. He changed everything about me. Then why do we look so dead so many times? Do you pray? Do you seek him? Are you wondering what God has for you in your life? Do you want to be closer to God today than when you were yesterday? Or are you settled for just the cross? My friend, the cross is amazing. The Bible says that we should glory in nothing but the cross. But we are going to see by the time we get to the end of this, there is work to be done. And if you truly have come to a saving faith, you want to work for God. You don't want to be what you were. You don't want to live as you used to live. You want to be for what God wants you to be. And my friend, you should have a desire to see others come to that saving faith. But the natural man does not do it. His heart has stopped. The breath is gone. It ceased. The personality is gone. They are no longer themselves. Let me tell you something. That's what sin has done to our people. They are no longer who they are. How many in here that has been so caught up in sin, you'd sit there and you just wonder and you pray, God, just return me to who I used to be because this sin has destroyed my life. Your thoughts are no longer what they used to be. Your personality is no longer what it used to be. Now you are something that is just a shell of your old self. Let me tell you something. Satan is real and he is out to destroy and he'll do it to the best of us. But we must understand if we are either spiritually dead or if we are on spiritual life support, we've got to go back to the one that can revive. Spiritual death causes a man to not speak to God. Spiritual death causes a heart that doesn't long for God. Spiritual death intend, makes us where we are never who we were intended to be. We are, in fact, a walking dead man. In verse 1, we see... You've been quickened, though. And you have he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses. I'm, I'm glad I was dead, but I ain't dead no more. Amen. In trespasses and sins. Trespass and sin means to fall, to slip, to deviate from the right road, to turn from what is right. Who remembers the days of trespass? Who in here can remember the days of trespass? Maybe you're in your days of trespass today. Maybe every single time you try to go left and you're supposed to go left, you end up going right. When you're supposed to be following God, you're doing everything the way you ain't supposed to. And you're in days of trespass. You're in days of sin where we are missing the mark day by day. Maybe you're in those times. Maybe you're... And I think sometimes the hardest thing to get through the church member's head is that we see the addict on the street... And we see him in our vision of what sin is. And we see a vision of, man, that sinner on the street that's in drugs and that has alcohol and that has left his wife and he's done all these things. He is a sinner. He needs Jesus. My friend, the church member that has been there their entire life needs him just as much. And I think that's hard to get our minds wrapped around because we don't realize what we were saved from. That your pride is just as bad as those drugs. That your envy is just as bad as that alcohol. 
Guys, we are in just as a wretched of state from the church house as that of man that is living in the alley. And that's what God revealed to me when I was 15. I mean, I was a good kid. But in that moment, God revealed to me my deepest, darkest secrets. And I remember, man, that God pierced my heart like only he can. And I realized that, man, I'm a sinner. It doesn't matter if I'm better than the kid in school. It doesn't matter if the people that I hang out with I look better than. It doesn't matter that I go to church. It doesn't matter that I do all these things. I was lost. And I had no way of my own. I couldn't find it. But God showed me the way. Those places of trespass and sin, often it's the person in church who are blinded by sin the most. It's those people that are in the alley that says, you know what, I know I need help. It's the person in the church house that can't get it through their mind that they need help. There's people here today that need help. There's people here today that are week after week, but you are spiritually away from God. My friend, you don't have to be. In those moments of sin and trespass, we realize we are imperfect. But the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is everybody that has ever lived has become short of the glory of God. But in verse 2, it says, Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world. Are you walking in the course of this world now? Or was that a part of your past? I think so many times we think that we can still walk in the world as we want to. My friend, that should be part of your past, not part of your present. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The Bible says, according to the world, living for the temporary, under Satan's power, living for the eye in our life. There's one big idol that we must stomp, and that is I. I. Me. Me. I care about me. I care about I. My prayers show it. My walk shows it. And all of my life proves it. I care about I. And let me tell you something, guys. I is one of the toughest things that you're ever going to get out of your life. Because that's where Satan starts to dig. It's all about you, my friend. It's what you want. It's what's going to make you happy. It's what I. I mean, don't you remember even Satan? It was all about him. I will. I will. I will. I will. Guys, get the I will out of your life and say, Thy will. Amen. It is all about Jesus and it is nothing about us. But then also, we were full of lust in verse 3. Among whom all we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Lust is a, a lust for a morality of unbelief, idolatry, envy, always living to fulfill your flesh, your mind, your wants. And you say, Brandon, that's not me. When you really sit and think sometimes, it looks a lot more like us than we think. Before salvation, we lived under the wrath of God. The Bible says we reap what we sow. And my friend, if we're sowing a life of discord, you're going to get discord. 
If you're sowing a life of sin, you're going to get the, the, the horrible results of that sin. My friend, if you are reaping what you are sowing, and you say, well, Brandon, I don't have no walk with Jesus. My friend, you ain't going to have no peace in your life. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness in Romans 1.18. We looked alive, but were inwardly dead. Guys, I don't want to be a whitewashed wall, do you? I don't want to be somebody that looks alive, but their life doesn't show it. You know, that's the problem with most churches today and so many churches. I remember the time when I looked back when I was a kid. We got them in here. We got so many pastors who made the way, they stayed the course, and they made it. And they still have a desire to serve. You know how many pastors today fall off the wagon so early? Because they make it about them. And I think so many preachers are up here trying to preach to their congregations and do not live it themselves. And there's no power in their life. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. I know what it means to go with an anointing of God, and I know what it means not to have Him. And if you preach this Word and you don't live it, there is no power that comes from it. And that's a hard way to walk. There's a lot of eyes on you, but that is the high calling of Jesus Christ. Amen? This is not just a job. This is a calling on a life. And there's a lot of young people that need to be called into the ministry. But you know what? We've made the ministry a job. The moment that this becomes a job, you need to usher me out the door. Before salvation, we lived under that wrath of God. We looked alive, but we were inwardly dead living for everything but the purpose we were made for. Today, we have people who have been saved and they need to remember, but also today we have people that are living in defeat and need to know that there is a better way. Amen. That's hard news, ain't it? Isn't that... Who, who feels warm and fuzzy after that? Do you feel warm and fuzzy? Or you're like, man, the restaurants are feeling really good right now. I need some Peking to lift me up and out of my spirits, right? <laughs> That's bad news. That you are born dead. That we are spiritually dead. And that we are born, we're separated from God. That is horrible news. But you know why I rejoice? Y'all know where I'm going. Because the next verse changes everything. <laughs> Are you over this next verse? You better not be over this next verse because the next verse changes my entire life. Among, I'm going to read three again just so we can understand it. Among whom also we have had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. Oh, it looks bad. Oh, I'm under wrath. Oh, but what marvelous words in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Oh, what an interceptor he is. Amen. Amen. I mean, I'm telling you, I remember when I played football and there was an interception they would call Oski. I'm thankful today Jesus called Oski in my life. And he intercepted my life and took me a different direction. Amen. But in verse 4, it says, but God, what a conjunction. It connects phrases. 
Oh, how life is different with that word. Oh, it changed. Everything changes with that word, but man is dead in trespassing sins. No hope, no chance, but God. Ooh, that should fire us up. I was a lost 15-year-old boy with no chance, but God. Woo! I met my wife who didn't know Jesus. And you know, I had a lot of people say, you don't need to date nobody that don't I agree. Maybe I shouldn't have. No, God had a plan, Gina. <laughs> and I remember the day when there was a program right here in this church. I believe it was called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Woo! And I remember bringing my wife here. And I remember worried, is she going to know Jesus? What if we get married and she don't know Jesus? Let me tell you, God is faithful. And I remember right where Adam Patterson is sitting right there, my Lord and my Savior got a hold of my wife and she got saved. But God, I said, but God is good. What about you? What if you've had a bad diagnosis? Let me tell you something, God will see you through it. Whether he heals it or not, he is there with you. But God... When tragedy hits our family and we think that we are never going to make it, we're never going to see the light of day, but look where God takes us, but God. I was on drugs, but God. Who in here today can raise their hand and remember the time where God gave you those words, but God? Who can say that I was that man on the edge? I was that man in alcohol. I was that man in addiction. I was that family that was almost torn apart, but God. I was in addiction, but God. I was hopeless, but God. I was rejected, but God. I was a wanderer, but God. I never knew love, but God showed me. In verse 5, it says, What love wherein he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, made us alive, us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. All oh, the mercy of God that He's given every one of us. We don't deserve it. We are unworthy of it. But God so loved the world. Verse 6, not only did he quicken us, not only did he make us alive, he says in verse 6, he exalted us to raise us up together and to make us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not only did he save us, he's got a home waiting for me. And I'm going to get to be with him in glory. Amen? He exalts us. He raises us. He doesn't leave us in the graveyard. I tell the kids every single week that we have a baptism. I do the same thing. I go to them and I said, you see that baptism? What's it look like? Not many, I guess, have went to a graveyard. <laughs> but I'm still going to say it. I said, that looks like a place a casket goes down. It is rectangle, and it is the perfect shape of a casket. And I tell the kids every week, I said, somebody's getting buried today. Amen. Somebody is dead today. And they're like, Whoa, man. yeah, you. <laughs> and I said, aren't you happy that you don't stay under that water? that you come right back up and out, representing that Jesus is alive, that he is well, and that he is not dead. He is risen, and because of Jesus, I get to walk in a newness of life. 
I think so many times we get baptized and we're following God, but man, we're still living in the grave. We've never taken the ball to go to the next step. We've settled for the bare minimum. My friend, that's the first step in obedience. The number first one step. There's thousands waiting. And often we never get past the first one. Guys, we must understand we have been quickened. We have been made alive. Jesus is alive and through him we have life. But look in verse 7. It says that in the ages come that he might show the exceeding, exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. This is my favorite scripture. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that is not of yourself. This is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. What a gift salvation is. We come by faith, trusting only Jesus to save us. He's made the way. He's paid the way. And there is a gift that he has given. And you may be in a dead spiritual state. Guys, you must understand this gift is for you. Just take it. No matter how far you think you may be, God still reaches with the hand of his mercy. This verse takes it off of us and puts it all on him. There was a time in my life where I understood, man, I've struggled with my salvation. I struggled with it. I was always a kid that, man, I, I was saved, but I didn't have this great big radical transformation. I didn't have it. I was 15. I mean, I was a pretty good kid. Most of the teachers liked me pretty well. I was not the craziest wild kid. And so I didn't have this amazing transformation. But as my spiritual walk started, I started to realize truly how far I was from God even then. And a lot of us haven't got to that point where we really truly realize, whoo, I'm bad. The closer you get with God, the more he's going to reveal this to you. But I remember wondering, God, if I would be more sure of my salvation if you would have saved me from drugs. I would have been more sure of my salvation if I would have been saved from this or that. I wasn't. But I remember always doubting my salvation. Doubting it, doubting it, doubting it, doubting it. The preacher would always say, do you know that you know that you know that you know? <laughs> Who in here can raise their hand and remember that? Amen, yeah. <laughs> All of you right here, I'm going to tell you, don't think of a red elephant. Don't think about that red elephant. And if you think about that red elephant, you're in trouble. How many of you right here right now would raise your hand and say, Brandon, I'm thinking of the red elephant. <laughs> Amen. Guys, there is a marvelous truth that we must understand. And in that moment where I was so doubting my salvation. See, Satan, I believe, wants to keep us tied up. I was set free. I was just still in the grave clothes. I was saved, but I was still living on the edge of the grave. Y'all with me? And in that moment, though, when I was doubting, in that moment, I sat right up there in that balcony, and I felt God tugging me, and I was like, Lord, I don't know if I'm saved or not. I was a deacon. I was a deacon at my church, and I was having these thoughts, and I was like, oh, my goodness, what a big bone thing. I, I don't know, Lord, but, Lord, I've, I've trusted you with all of my heart. You're my Savior. 
And I remember going home. I was sitting with Travis, and I was talking to Travis over here. And I said, Travis, I'm struggling. I don't know. You know what we did? See, I wasn't a pastor yet. I didn't know what God had for me. This might have been the moment where God started to truly stir my life. Because I was just about to break out of those grave clothes. We went through Scripture. What does Scripture say? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That God gave His life for you, Brendan. We went through Ephesians 9. Brendan, it's not your works. It is Him. He does it. And in that moment, I was like, you know what? So many times I was trying to take the place. I was trying, as long as I was working the way that I should be working, I felt pretty good. But the moment that sin started creeping into my life, and let me tell you something, when sin is in your life, you're going to doubt God. But in that moment, I started to realize that I could trust an all-knowing Savior in His Word. And His Word told me that there is nothing else I can do but trust in Jesus. There's nothing else I can do. I'm taking him at his word. And God is either strong enough or he isn't, but I believe that he is strong. And he tells me in his word, Brandon, I love you. I have saved you. It has nothing to do with you. It is a free gift of salvation. Just take it. And in that moment, I left out of here knowing, my God loves me despite me. I knew in that moment that... God, you have looked past my sin and that you love me in your way. And that even though I'm closer to God now than I was at 15, I'm a deacon. I'm closer to the Lord now than I was then. But God in his marvelous grace said, Brandon, it ain't about that. It's about me. And in that moment, I realized how far away from God I really was. God saved me when I was 15. The light bulb came on then. Guys, there's some light bulbs that need to come on in this place. We have got to get out of the grave clothes and get in to what God wants for us. The world will keep you in grave clothes. And then finally, we're going to close. But no matter how far you think you may be, God still reaches his hand down. And look at verse 10. After he saves us, after we've trusted him, can you believe he lets us work for him? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus into good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Guys, when we become his workmanship, we are, become, we are born again. We become a new man, a new creature. The Holy Spirit indwells us. And we realize that we are not saved by works, but we are created to do good works. If you don't work for God, your spiritual heart may be beating, but your life is going to be on life support. And there's people in here today, one, that are lost. You're spiritually dead. You don't think of God. He's not on your mind. He's not on your heart other than a Sunday. Guys, there's so much more that he wants for you. And I believe he's calling us to surrender all. Two, there's people in here that are saved but you're in the grave clothes. You've been trying to do everything on your own power. Realize that it's all Jesus. And he's the one that can make a way. And he is calling you to work for him. And if you don't work, you don't grow. 
If you don't grow, it's hard to ever be a witnesser. If you don't grow, it's hard to share your faith. Satan wants you bound up in that. And I was talking about those steps of faith. That's the first step in obedience. It's followed by thousands of others. Who in here is going to say, I'm sick of sitting on the sideline and I am ready to work for God. I am ready to say, God, I'll go where you want me to go and I'll be what you want me to be. And Lord, if you make a preacher out of me, I'll go. Guys, God is calling us to trust Him by faith. Not just with our salvation, but with our life. What a marvelous gift that God has given us through Scripture. Amen? We're going to pray. Uh, And as, as I pray, you guys come.